You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. Yeah, this is Bloomberg Business Week on this Monday. Carol Masser in our Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studio on Monday, December 14, 2020. So we talked about the commercial real estate market earlier. We're all really trying to assess uh, what will be the longer lasting impact of the pandemic on that market. And just like we're watching the trends created by the pandemic on how we work and on American workers overall, and on that point, I recently hosted a panel on the pulse of the American worker and the future of work, really digging into that. On that panel was Jared Spataro, Corporate Vice President of Microsoft 365. He had so many great statistics and findings that he and his team had pulled together and he shared with us. So I knew we had to do a little bit more. Jared joins us on this Monday on the phone in Seattle, Washington. Jared, it is so nice to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great, Carol. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to our conversation. Me too, because I was blown away. I know you guys are doing really digging deep into kind of finding out how we are working right now and then, you know, kind of making some conclusions off of that. So it is about a month since we last talked on that panel. Um, How are things going for you and your team? And the longer this goes on, what are you finding in terms of those that are working on Microsoft platforms, how they are working? Yeah, you bet. You know, since we've spoken, we continued to see a, a surge of COVID, and that's changed the, the outside environment quite a bit. Um, we have really tried, as I indicated then, to just be students of the moment and try and take in data from as many sources as we can and then piece together a mosaic, a little bit of what's going on and where do we think it'll it'll go. Some of the numbers for me are really pretty astounding. I'll give you a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking of one of our products called Microsoft Teams, this is a product that brings together, for instance, meetings and chat and team workspaces. Teams users have had 55% more meetings and calls per week now than they did pre-pandemic. In addition, the workday span in Teams, so that's the time between the first and the last active login, is up by over an hour in many countries in the the world. In some countries, like Australia and Singapore, it's up by over two hours. And then that's even bleeding over into the weekends. Teams chats on the weekend have spiked 200% since before the pandemic. So there's a lot going on. I think workers all across the world are really feeling the stresses of this remote work and kind of trying to adapt. So none of that's really changed. I mean, those trend lines have stayed pretty consistent. They have. Um, We saw some countries starting to head back. As an example, you know, in Mm -hmm. the United States and Western Europe, there was this hope that we could kind of get back. But during the the, uh, spikes that we have seen in both places here in the winter, um, we've just continued to see people, you know, moving backwards kind of in their progression, deciding we need to stay remote for a while. So those trends just continue for us. I wonder, and I don't know if you guys are measuring this, measuring this, so forgive me if I'm going to a place that you guys aren't, but I wonder about productivity because there is such a debate, Jared, about, you know, people working from home. Are they as productive? I mean, I felt like I was really productive at home and there were certain areas that I never were able to really make inroads on that I did at home and vice versa. So I just wonder what people are seeing. You know, there was a really good article in the Wall Street Journal today that I picked up on, and I I thought one of the uh, conclusions there is worth repeating maybe. It it says that the research essentially says, you know, productivity for a lot of people is up for all the reasons that you cite, but it's coming at a cost. Uh, Again, two data points that give us some sense. When we recently went out and around the world polled workers just across different countries, we found that over 30% of workers, and that was in a a pool of 6,000 people we asked, so 30% of them said that the pandemic can increase their sense of burnout at work. Imagine that, almost a third of people saying, I feel more burned out. And then a third of remote workers say that the lack of separation between work and life, so roughly about the same, is negatively impacting what they would call their well-being just overall. So I think productivity is up for many 
for many uh, companies, many firms, right. but there is a cost associated with it. Well, and I wonder, you know, since you guys track this stuff, how much of it do you think, it was interesting, I was just talking with Ken Swig of Swig Equities, who is very involved in the commercial real estate market um, in New York and elsewhere around the country, and just this whole concept of working from home, you know, how much of it sticks ultimately going forward? And I'm just curious, Microsoft is a company, right, that has said, you guys want to work from home, you can continue doing that you know, after the pandemic, how much of some of the trends that we're seeing, uh, you know, after hours, weekend, how much of it do you think ultimately sticks? Well, taking a step back for a second, I mm-hmm. think I would frame it this way. Um, when we look at what people are learning during this pandemic, they are learning that in, in many instances, they can use digital connections to more easily, more, more conveniently connect with other people when they previously had relied on physically being present, you know, right with someone. And so then if we kind of translate that into what are they saying about work post-pandemic, we found that um, 52% of, excuse me, um, 82% of managers expect to have more flexible work from home policies post-pandemic. So over 80% of managers saying, yeah, we expect that we will give people the option to work from home. 71% of employees want to continue to work from home at least part-time. And part-time in many ways, as we're seeing the data come in, is at least two days a week. So that's a pretty big change from pre-pandemic. I think almost everyone felt like they needed to show up at work. If you imagine your workforce where just across a week, people would choose two of those days not to be there. We think even if just that sticks, it will dramatically change the dynamic of how people are getting their work done. And when you guys are checking out, you know, when people you're doing your research and gathering the data, I mean, you're talking about employees, companies from all different types of industries, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we go across all different types of industries, and we try to be broad-based. That one survey I just cited a moment ago, for instance, with 6,000 workers across the world, so across different nations in all different industries. So we're not just looking at one. We're trying to get a, a really nice, broadly segment size so that we can make sure we see the trend. Well, and I wonder if you can and you know give me some insight into, you know, with the promise of a vaccine, here we are on a day where we've seen the first, you know, vaccine happen in the United States. So we are seeing it's certainly a different narrative when it comes to a vaccine specifically and maybe getting some control of of the virus. You know, with that promise of a vaccine here and on the horizon for for most workers, how quickly do you think we see employers kind of, you know, get workers back in the office? And just got about 40 seconds and then we'll take take a break and come back and do some more. Sure. We, we think that it's going to take time for the vaccine to roll out. And so we'll see that kind of roll out over time. We, we love the fact that we're seeing the vaccine go to those that need it most, perhaps healthcare workers and others. So we think that you look at 2021 and it won't be uh, all of a sudden. We think that there will be a long time being in this hybrid state. And is that similar to what you guys are doing internally as well? Just got, forgive me, I saved another 30 seconds here. Well, we haven't quite made the decisions or announced exactly what we're doing internally, but uh, our announcement has been that people won't have to come back to yeah. work, but we won't even be open back to work until the summer. Uh, our, and so July of 2021 is what we've talked about earlier yeah. this year. We're hearing a lot of that too here on the East Coast. Jared, one of the um, stats when we did the panel together that stuck out for me is you guys actually, or there's some research, and I think you guys were involved in it or led it, on um, brain waves and what happens uh, when we're in a video meeting. Can you share some of that with our audience? You bet. I think all of us uh, who have been involved in kind of these virtual meetings have, have felt a sense of fatigue. And so we were pretty curious about that early on, wondering, mm-hmm. you know, was it was it just made up or were we actually feeling something? So we went into the lab and actually uh, put these sensors on people, allowed them to both interact in person and interact in virtual meetings. What we found wasn't surprising if you're in 
online meetings, but there was science now behind it. It turns out that these online meetings really do tax our brain more. Uh, they make it more difficult for us to concentrate. They make it more difficult for us to stay in the meetings and be productive. So that was really interesting. Uh, from there, we decided that we, there probably was some innovation that was going to be necessary. And so we did create some kind of product features that were meant to address that in teams. Well, that, and I find is fascinating. Like, listen, crisis leads us to different ways of doing things. And I think this whole rise and all the stuff that we've been able to do socially, virtually is pretty impressive and the work that we've been able to get done. But, you know, what do you feel like you are learning about how people work and how we can maybe do it better so that it's not so taxing? Because I know when we were on the panel together, part of what we also talked about was the burnout that you've mentioned uh, previously and just making sure that our mental wellness was taken care of in this environment where we were connected to technology mostly, not really to people. Yeah, that's right. Well, the, the things that we found that are making a big difference um, consist somewhat of technology and somewhat of just us learning new ways of doing things. So let me tell you one that was surprising to me. One of the, the pieces of research that we did that now has made its way into the product is the idea of a virtual commute. Awesome. Not to be able to, uh, not to have to jump into a car and uh, or a subway and commute into work. But what we found was that people were having a really high, hard time creating boundaries between their work and life. And so we've mm-hmm. actually introduced a bot into the team's environment that allows people to kind of ramp up into their workday, have a, just a little bit of a buffer, and then to ramp down out of the workday to really process what happened. As funny as it may sound, that makes a huge difference. We actually found that, that uh, the people in our research said that they felt like it impacted their productivity in really positive ways, and so we've introduced that into the product. We've also done some really interesting things that I wouldn't have guessed made a difference. Going back to the idea of, of the brainwave study, we found that one of the things that was happening is as we stare at each other in this Brady Bunch view, oftentimes, of uh, just everybody together, we see our backgrounds, and that makes it hard for each of those different squares it's hard for our brains to parse out kind of the social cues we're used to seeing, the nodding, the right. turning away, the yawning. And so we found that by using AI technology, we could cut people out of their backgrounds, put them into a shared background, and the brain actually reacts remarkably well to that. We feel more connected, number one. And number two, the, uh, the amount of effort required to read those cues goes down. And so, again, that's, a, that's an application of, of technology that we think is pretty novel. So that, there are these types of things that can really help us uh, and will make a difference over the long term. Yeah, that's really fascinating, right? And you do wonder, you know, we know, listen, we've been so critical of our kids sitting in front of screens, right? And you know that there is an impact of that. And yet here we have been doing it now for, you know, nine months and counting, and and there is an impact. And so if we can figure out ways to do it where it's healthier and better, um, that's the way to go. Indeed. You know, the, the other thing I'll note is, um, in some ways, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think that's what <laughs> happened in this pandemic. You know, we couldn't walk down the hall and see each other. And so all of a sudden, man, our only way to get in touch was yeah. to start up an online meeting. And we are finding that increasingly people are learning, gosh, I don't have to do everything in a meeting. In fact, we talk about the flow of work contains meetings. You know, as you get things done, you certainly want to meet together and, and do things. But increasingly, people are getting back to a little bit more normalized flow where sometimes they work on their own, sometimes in small groups, sometimes it's just a chat, sometimes a voice call, sometimes a full-fledged meeting. But varying kind of the, the mode that you're working uh, really makes a difference in your ability to also concentrate and to get that work done. I love that you said that because I've done that to a couple of people now <laughs> and just said, you know, we can just talk on the phone. We'll be good. <laughs> we'll be good. Exactly. Um, hey, listen, one of the things that's so important of the work that you're doing is that, you know, we have talked about this a lot, that the pandemic has really uh, laid bare once again so many inequities in our society, and that includes the skills gap. And I do think, how are you guys thinking about that um, in terms of trying to, 
maybe act as a community, the tech community, you know, working to make sure that people aren't once again left behind here? Well, let's take a look at the numbers because I think they, again, give us the backdrop. According to our calculations, we think global unemployment in, in this year before we finish here over the next few weeks may reach a quarter of a billion people. So mm. the numbers are pretty big. At the same time, we see opportunity because over the next five years, we estimate that the global workforce will be able to produce, to create 150 million new tech-oriented jobs. So when we look at that kind of tension between the two and have looked long-term at kind of what's happening in this skills gap and what are the big trends that we can address, we've seen three things. First, there is a rapid emergence of AI-powered technologies that are definitely propelling a new era of technology coming into the workforce. So, you know, we feel it, and the numbers bear us out. Second, um, we're increasingly seeing that people need these technological skills. They need technology acumen to get their work done. And then third is the real counterbalancing one. Even though those first two are true, we've seen employers actually reduce their training investments over the past two decades in Mm. employees. So more need, but less training happening. So as we looked at that tension and kind of at the shape of that tension, in June, we actually launched something called the Microsoft Global Skills Initiative. And this is where we decided that we were going to help 25 million people worldwide gain more digital skills, particularly in this year. Right. And, and year to date, we've been able to get 13 million learners in every U.S. state and 231 countries. So we're, we're excited. We still have work to do, but we're yeah. excited that we're starting to be able to reach out. Right. And it's amazing how like just all this stuff is, get, is ramping up and reaching out to people who really need it. Um, Jared, see, I knew it. When we heard these statistics, I knew we needed to dig even deeper. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with uh, our audience. Really appreciate it. Jared Spataro, he's corporate Vice President at Microsoft 365, joining us on the phone from Seattle, Washington, really just digging down into the numbers based on what they're seeing on those Microsoft platforms in terms of how we've been working, what the impact has been, and uh, how we can maybe learn from it. And they certainly are in terms of some of their initiatives.